Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry Connick Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hey, how goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. We're back at the Smoothie King Center studio today as the Pelicans get set for the Miami Heat as we'll wrap up Black and Blue Report for the week and this homestand here with uh, Heat and Pelicans tonight. This will be the lone visit for Dwayne Wade and company. And uh, we expect a big crowd tonight. Uh, should be a good time. There's a big r- giveaway as well. Uh, the uh, the Pelican scarf, which is very cool looking, uh, is presented by Smoothie King tonight for the first 5,000 fans. That's just a small piece of uh, what will happen tonight here at 7 o'clock. So with that, we'll talk some NBA basketball today. With the voice of the Miami Heat, uh, Mike Inglis stops by, or at least he'll check in from his hotel room here uh, from the uh, team hotel for the Miami Heat this morning. And uh, we'll get to know Norris Cole a lot more today. We had visited with Norris at length for the first time yesterday, and so uh, fittingly with uh, him playing against his old team for the second time in a week, uh, Norris Cole's uh, most extensive visit yet, I think, with anybody in the media here in New Orleans uh, happens today right here on the Black and Blue Report. So very excited to talk about that. Uh, And then a little bit later on, we're going to talk LSU football slash NFL draft uh, here on this Friday with Jim Kleinpeter from the Times-Picayune. He uh, covers the LSU beat and uh, has some thoughts as he's now returned fully from the NFL Combine and we have uh, LSU players involved. And so certainly I want to learn more about them and uh, no better than from Jim Kleinpeter today to do so for us on the Black and Blue Report. So there you have it. Pretty full show for you. I know that yesterday we mentioned that we were uh, efforting to get Bob Lanier, NBA Hall of Famer, on our program today. Uh, We're going to visit with Mr. Lanier later on this evening, uh, so I'll be anxious to share with you uh, my interview with him on Monday's Black and Blue Report. So uh, I apologize if you tuned in today thinking you're going to hear Bob Lanier today. It will be on Monday. Uh, Bob Lanier is here in town, by the way, to uh, help present a very um, a very big award to Pelicans forward Anthony Davis tonight prior to the game with the Miami Heat. Anthony has been selected uh, as the recipient of the NBA Cares Community Assist Award uh, for the month of January. That is uh, presented each month by uh, their sponsor, Kaiser Permanente. And so Anthony's um, 
Anthony's efforts here in the community away from basketball are being recognized. That's a big-time deal. That's a very big award, um, and we're honored to have uh, Bob Lanier uh, present that tonight to Anthony Davis alongside uh, Mr. and Mrs. Benson and the folks from NBA Cares and Kaiser Permanente. So, uh, Anthony, I don't know if you realize this or not, he has been very, very active, um, especially with area youth, and uh, maybe none more so than what he did throughout January and then into early February. So uh, that is why, number one, Bob Lanier is in town, and number two, another reason why tonight at the Smoothie King Center is is such a big deal. So uh, Bob Lanier will do that on on Monday. One thing I do want to ask Bob Lanier about, uh, certainly this evening when I visit with him, I'm anxious for his thoughts uh, and perhaps some storytelling uh, with regards to Earl Lloyd, who passed away yesterday at the age of 86. Uh, NBA pioneer, for those who know, obviously, the story. Uh, he was the first uh, black player to play in the NBA. For those who don't know who Earl Lloyd um, was, he is a really a pioneer because he helped to break down the color barrier in the NBA. He made his NBA debut in 1950 for the Washington Capitals, uh, just before fellow black players uh, Sweetwater Clifton and Chuck Cooper played their first games. Um, and this has always been a very graceful and humble gentleman in Earl Lloyd, and I know there are many in the NBA family uh, that are sad to hear of his passing after what we understand is a very full life uh, ending at the age of 86. So uh, that will now be a part of my interview tonight with Bob Lanier. There's no doubt. I will not pass up the opportunity in, uh, in asking Mr. Lanier about uh, Earl Lloyd's impact upon his life and, of course, of course, our game. So um, we'll look forward to that on Monday. All right, so this is how today's show shakes out again. Uh, Norris Cole will join us here in just a moment after our first break. And then Mike Inglis, the voice of the Miami Heat, and then followed up by Jim Kleinpeter from the Times Picayune. Stay with us. Basketball fans from all over Louisiana are invited to the Louisiana High School Boys and Girls All-Star Basketball Games being held in Shreveport at the Hirsch Coliseum on Saturday, March 21st. The best players from Louisiana will put on an exciting display of showmanship. Tickets are only $10 and games start at 1 p.m. Check out hotels and other things to do at Shreveport-Bossier.org or call 888-45-VISIT. Be at the Smoothie King Center to see your New Orleans Pelicans take flight this Friday, February 27th at 7 p.m. when the Miami Heat come to town. The first 5,000 fans receive a free Pelican scarf courtesy of Smoothie King. The Pelicans' best pregame block party tips off the fun at 5.30 with music, inflatable games for the kids, and a whole bunch more. Tickets are limited. Going fast. Visit pelicans.com to get your seats today. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back into the Black and Blue Report. We uh, welcome in for the first time here on this program, Norris Cole. Uh, you're in game uniform, by the way. Yeah, looking good, too. Uh, I think so. Those are the home whites, number 30. Um, number 30 has been with you for how long? Since high school. Since high school. I my number in high school when I moved to varsity. How did you get so lucky to keep the number that long? I was pretty good. So, is that is that how it works? Yeah, I, I was I was good enough to where no one could come in and, and take it from me. Aren't you lucky that LeBron James didn't wear number thirty? He's lucky that he didn't <laughs> wear number thirty. Not just saying. <laughs> Norris Gold, of course, is the newest Pelican uh, acquired at the trade deadline from the Miami Heat. 
Um, my friend, you've had a pretty good start to your Pelicans career. Not bad over the last three, wouldn't you say? Yeah, especially when you get to win. You know, that's what counts, you know, being able to win three in a row and contribute. You know, it's big for us. When when did you uh, when did you hear on a week ago Thursday that you were leaving the Miami Heat and what kind of an emotion did you have about it? Well, I found out. I'm not sure the time, but I did find out Thursday um, after the deadline. Obviously, um, it was mixed emotions. I was uncertain, you know, what it would be like to come because um, all I knew was Miami. At the same time, I was relieved that all the trade things were over with you know knowing that it was possible for me to be traded but not knowing if it would really happen you know so the fact that it was over it was like okay now I can move on to the next phase I know where I'm going and I can focus on that so it was sort of a relief and then the irony of having to play your old team in your first <laughs> game with your new team now last that, Saturday that was, night that was weird the, the only word I can say is weird it was it was the most weird thing ever um it would have been easier if we would have had more time. I could play them three, four games later or a month later. But first team right out the gates, you know, so it was different. But I'm glad we got the win. You know, on the court, you know, playing basketball, it was fine. But, you know, the tribute and, you know, the people seeing the familiar faces, not wearing the same colors as yourself, you know, that was the, that was the weird part. And for those who weren't listening on radio or watching on television last Saturday, when Norris Cole came into the game for the first time as a visitor, there was a standing ovation at American Airlines Arena in Miami. And then uh, the video tribute. Did you know that was coming, by the way? Because uh, you, you were actually in the game, so which meant, for folks who don't know, during a timeout, the guys who are currently in the game are the most engaged with coach. And so your ability to catch something on the big screen is probably minimal. How did it – did you know it was coming? Uh, I, I, looked, I looked up a little bit. I didn't really pay attention. My, one of my teammates tapped me and said, look, look, look. And I was like, I look after coach get done talking, you know. So then afterwards, I, you know, I, was, I looked up. It was still playing. Then I got the standing ovation, and I just, you know, paid my respects, waved to the crowd, waved to my coaches and, you know, old teammates, you know, let them know I appreciated that. So all you've ever done is play in the NBA Finals, isn't that right? Yes, sir. So <laughs> do, do you know anything else when it comes to the NBA? You're kind of, you're kind of spoiled, I guess, is what yeah, I'm getting I'm, at here. I'm, I'm blessed, man. Okay, that's a fair I'm word. Spoiled, I'm blessed. But, it, you know, you work hard for it. But obviously that's not the reality. I know, you know, eventually it's not going to always be that way. No doubt. Um, but there is a way, speaking of the word way, I grew up in St. Louis. The St. Louis Cardinals, they always call it the Cardinal Way, mm -hmm. which has been going on now for a long, long time. Uh, San Antonio kind of has built that that sense of a, a way of doing things. Miami now, a little bit, has a way or a system uh, that seems to perpetuate itself. What is it about the Miami way that you'll take with you now? Uh, well, no shortcuts. Um which is any way that's successful. There's no shortcuts. Um, hard nose, you know, being a being a competitor, you know, that's part of who I am as a person anyway. But I think that's what I want to bring along here is um, the idea of not taking any shortcuts, um, understanding that we have to compete every possession, especially defensively, and, and bring along that winning, that winning in spirit. You know, I'm a, I'm a winner. All I know is winning at the highest level and I want and I want my teammates here to experience the same some of the same successes that I've been able to experience, you know, making it to the postseason. How much of a jump was it to go from a small school like Cleveland State to the biggest stage in the NBA? Um, you know, not having had that I guess 
I don't know how many times you played on national television during college. I would I would played. guess less than a dozen, perhaps, right? About a dozen. Okay, actually, yeah. okay, right about a dozen. So from a dozen to like thirty five times in the regular yeah. season, and then all through the postseason, what was that jump like? Not having, I guess, major Division One college experience. It was still Division uh, One, but you know, I guess you know what I'm getting at. For me, I just look at it as playing basketball. You know, if you know how to play basketball, you know how to play basketball, and I, that's why I never really caught up. Got caught up into you know. High major, you know, and then once I moved up to the NBA playing every night, it's just go out there and, and, and do what you've been trained to do. And that allows me to, to stay focused and not have a mixed emotions, you know, when we play on TV, when we don't play on TV. It keeps you even keel. You, you want to go out there, you want to play basketball as consistently as possible, no matter what. And having that attitude helped me because the stage that we were on, if if you were always on the emotional wave, play on TV, don't play on TV, your game would be up and down, up mm -hmm. and down. And, and the goal is to be consistent. So in order not to think about that, I, I want to play consistent basketball no matter what. The high top fade has become almost <laughs> your trademark. You, you're you like a throwback here, Norris Cole. What, when did this start? Uh, my senior year, uh, I wanted to do something different. You know, I wanted to kind of stick out, set myself apart, you know. I couldn't think of what I could do, and I was. And I looked at my dad, and I was like, "Man, you got a box cut, high top fade." I said, "I'm gonna do that." I just looked down, and said, "I'm gonna do that," and I grew it out, and it worked. You know, it, it looked good. The fans liked it. I played well, and then we won. You know, so it was no need to ever you know to cut it. <laughs> do you get uh, Do you get some interesting comments from the guys? Most guys say. You know, they wonder why it's never really messed up. Like, they never really see it, like, messed up. No dents, no nothing. Which is my goal. Okay. You know, to always keep it fresh. So they always wonder, man, how you keep it, keep it straight? I say, I, I just pick it, you know, in the morning. I make sure I, you know, get it cut, you know, when it's supposed to be. You know, I always, always, you know, try to be groomed. I say what my saying is look good, feel good, play good. I like it. <laughs> see, I, th I think one of your teammates from Miami told me, I want to say it was Bird maybe. He said, "We think that Norris wears a helmet to bed every night, because yeah. <laughs> it never, it never has that bedhead look to it, which would be easy to do with that look." And look, the only reason I know is because that was the thing when I was young. I mean, kid and play, they kind of took it to the next level. But even yeah. prior to that, everybody who was anybody had the high top. Yeah, I try to, I try to keep it fresh, keep it fresh. Okay, you got a little sense of style to you here. You can't take yourself too serious, man. You gotta <laughs> gotta enjoy it, enjoy the ride. I try to I try to have fun, you know. On the court, I'm all business, but you know, you gotta enjoy it while we can. I can tell you were you were kind of the the guy in high school, weren't you? Go take me back to Dayton, Ohio. What's what's growing up Norris Cole like? Uh, I was I was the quarterback of the football uh -huh. team. They <laughs> were <laughs> the point guard. We you know we won two state championships. I was salutatorian in my class. Yeah. I graduated second in my class. So high school was good, you know. I liked it. Um, went to like four, four proms, you know. Four proms. Yeah, my senior year. It was fun. It was fun. That's all I can say. It was fun. I love going back home. You know, going back to the school. I always visit my high school. You know, and visit my old teachers, my old teammates. They all text me after every game. You know, whether it's good or bad. Mostly when it's good, though. But <laughs> Yeah, no, that's kind of how it usually yeah. works. All right, so academically successful in high school. I think all four years and a degree at Cleveland State, too, right? Yeah, that's okay. the biggest part. God forbid this thing ends sooner than you want it to. Yeah. What do you fall back on? I mean, you seem to 
Uh, He's smart enough to, to pick something else, right? Yeah, my, my health science degree was a focus on physical therapy. But uh, what I really have a passion for, I love training. You know, I have my camp every summer, North Coast uh, camp, where I train kids. Um, it's mostly basketball, but it also has a, you know, a life coach in it where I where I talk to the kids about um, life outside of basketball and the lessons that basketball can teach you about life, as far as being good teammates, listening to your parents, you know, being complete, not only being an athlete, you know, I, and I, that's what I really love to do. So that's that's what I'll do, you know, if. If I stop playing or after I retire, you know, that's what I'll continue to do is have camps and teach. Because I, I like being around the kids, you know, they, you know, they're so innocent, you know, and, and they're looking to learn and getting better. So you know, that, that's my passion. All right. So I think guys are looking to you because of your experience winning championships, losing champions, too. That, that, yeah, that, there's yeah, experience yeah. in that as well. For sure. That's a locker room over there full of guys who have not quite been there yet. Um, can you lead them? here early, especially in the role that Monty Williams has for you. Um, and is there a list of things in your head that, okay, we've got this, but we don't have this. Uh, and, and maybe those are intangibles. I'm curious as to what you would say. Well, you know, it's not going to just be me leading them, but I, I do, you know, understand what it takes. And um, I'm starting to, you know, you know, talk to some of the guys, the players about it. You know, mostly it's about habits and communicating. That's the biggest things having habits where you do it every day, no matter what, day in and day out, whether you're playing good or not playing good, having good habits, you know, eating, communicating on the court, positive communication, learning how to talk to your teammates when, when situations are not going good. Because we have talent. Guys know how to play ball. You know, obviously watching, you know, we have some great talent. <laughs> great talent, you know. So I think the small things are, are what's going to push us over the edge and bringing that defensive mindset you know, we have a great offense here. You know, I, I looked at the numbers once I realized I was coming here. We have a great offense, but our defensive numbers, you know, need some improvement if we want to make it to the postseason. So bringing that defensive attitude and having good habits is the biggest part that I want to want to bring and impact the team. All right. One more thing before I let you go. Next game is against Miami again. Uh, so you'll see them twice in the first week you have with the Pelicans. <laughs> um, Norris Cole, is it cheating that you know every play that's going to come at you when the Miami Heat are here on Friday night? It's not cheating because every team scouts. <laughs> every team scouts and knows all the plays. So it's not cheating. Did you find it to be an advantage last Saturday? Was uh, it, I mean, because you practice against it when you're with the team, obviously. I mean, yeah. It's, I mean, but everybody knows the plays. But just because you know the play don't mean you can necessarily stop it because there's counters to every play. Correct. And if you, if you just – totally totally overplay the play it, it would expose yourself defensively so it's nice to know the plays but at the same time you still have to play the game all right i was just trying to make maybe something yeah. more you know spicy about it i mean i know the plays i know all of them I but. Know, I know. by the way you stepped up to our microphone here in studio b like you're ready to cut <clears> down your uh your your debut album is there something i should know about your uh your creative side <clears throat> for sure um this is the official start of cole has bars and uh, you know, I do a little, little, little singing, you know, a little alto, tenor. But I also got a nice rap side to me too. So, um, you know, next time I'm in the booth, you know, come prepared. Cole has bars. Okay. You don't want to lay anything down right now. Let me get a beat one time. No, I can't get a beat. <laughs> <laughs> we need Tyreek in here. Tyreek always teases that he's laying down his 
debut album. Maybe you and Tyreek Evans. Can oh, we're going to collab. Forces. Definitely. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a collab. All right. Um, Will McLaren is our PR guru here with us today. Uh, Will, will you write down a possible date that we can maybe? Yes. Studio B will be taken to a new level. Um, great to see you. I, I, I've been kind of sitting back, letting you get comfortable. I mean, I don't even know if you have a place to live yet in New Orleans. But I'm, I'm glad we finally got to visit thank a little you, bit. Thank you, thank you, man. Uh, what's the? You have a favorite place you go out to eat here yet? Well, I've only been out one place, and it, and it was pretty good. Where'd you go? Uh, Redfish Grill. Oh, okay, there you go. Let's plug for Redfish Grill. Pretty good. Shout out to the chefs of Redfish Grill. Amen to that. Um, you probably will be able to go to a different place every off day you have for the next three years and still not hit the same place twice. That's what I hear. Some good eating down yes, there. No but doubt. I gotta eat healthy now. I can't. Can't have my waistline looking saggy. Like me? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, we're out of here. This Norris Cole, everybody, right here on the Black and Blue Report. Hi, I'm Lisa Albright. I'm 36 years old. I had the perfect life. It was everything I ever dreamed about. Until two weeks ago. I was standing in line at the grocery store, leaning over to empty my cart when I heard it. Mommy, why are her pants too big in the back? And that's when it hit me. I'm wearing mom jeans. Never again. I will look hot in yoga pants. That is my purpose. Blend it now. Try the new Firm and Burn chocolate peanut butter smoothie at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to get into those yoga pants. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. All right, we continue here on the Black and Blue Report, as promised with the voice of the Miami Heat, Mike Inglis. Uh, he's a Canadian uh, by nature, uh, but now truly uh, South Florida, a man of uh, exquisite South Florida taste, but uh, probably the only one who's comfortable in this cold weather here in the South. Right, Mike? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. I, you know, I, li- I lived in Winnipeg for a while for like three years uh, doing the Canadian Football League, so... We'd get up in the morning, it'd be minus 42, so a little bit of chilly weather is not really too bad for me. <laughs> I, think you tra- I think you traded up pretty good, didn't you? Yeah, it worked out. It turned out to work out pretty well, John. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, the, the Miami Heat here in the last two weeks have been through, let's just say, a lot. Um, Mike, what, yeah. what would you say the, the current state of the team right now is with Miami? Well, I, you know, I, I think they're, you know, they're, they're ready for the push. They know what it's all about. Uh, they've had to make some changes, obviously, with the – unfortunate uh, illness for Chris Bosh, and uh, they've done that. They've dipped into the D-League earlier this year. You, you know, you, you saw Hassan Whiteside. They bring up Henry Walker, and he hits two monstrous threes the other night in, in Orlando, and uh, they brought back Michael Beasley. So it's a, it's a team in flux. You know, it's, it's not the roster you thought the team would have with Bosh out there and Josh McRoberts and company, but it is what it is, and they're, they're fighting for a playoff spot. Tell me about Beasley's return. He seemed awfully excited when uh, I read oh, some yeah. clippings yesterday. Yeah, he, he's in a, you know, I mean, third time, first time ever in Heat history. They've got a player coming back for a third time with the team. But, 
You know, he uh, he was uh, jettisoned, so to speak, after the last season, and uh, he wound up going to China. And he, from, from what I understand, played fabulous uh, in China. And as a matter of fact, he even set a an All Star record, uh, scoring over 50 points in their All Star game. I think it was like 59 or something like that. Uh, so uh, he, he's looking for the opportunity, and it's an area Miami really needs to address right now because. Losing Chris Bosh in those 21 points of ball game and what he does for you out on the floor, how are you going to fill that uh, that power spot right there? And uh, uh, you know you can't ask Udonis Haslam to do that because UD, you know, it's his 12th year in the NBA. He's not a big time scorer. He's more in defense, and you know he's he's six eight. He's not a big body, but a guy like Beasley at six ten, he can uh, if if he can defend, he can score for you. So that that will help fill that void. Uh, it's tough to replace an All Star in 21 points of ball game. And, and Mike, as you mentioned, they're ready for the push. They're in a they're in a battle here uh, for a, oh, yeah. a secured playoff spot in the in the East. Uh, what's the difference now for Miami in going from the hunted to the hunter? No, it, well, it's a, it's a huge difference, and uh, you know, for, for them, every single you know, in, in the past four years, Sean, I mean, we'd go into ball games saying, I wonder how much we the, the Heat can win by. Uh, you go. You don't go into games like that anymore. You you go into games saying, "Oh, I wonder if we can win this game and who's going to score for you." Uh, you know, when you had that dynamic trio the Heat had and those great pieces around them, the the Ray Allen's, the Mike Millers, the Shane Battiers, and what have you. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. It was a traveling it was a traveling circus. It was crazy uh, because the team was so good. Now the reality is, you're back in the pack. They've been hit all year with bad injuries to Wade and obviously the illness to Chris Bosh, but everyone in the lineup has been out for different uh, different times throughout the season. They've had over 20 different starting lineups, and you know as well as I do, when, when that happens, the continuity is pretty tough. But that big trade Miami made uh, at trade deadline, bringing in Goran Dragic and Zoran Dragic, is uh, is a huge, huge factor for Miami going the rest of the way and looking down the road because the, the tempo of the game is back to the tempo that it used to be, not the plotting tempo they had in January because of all the injuries where they had to slow things up. Now it's uh, at uh, a, a great pace, and if you, if you don't hang on, Gorn's going to leave you behind, so you've got to keep up with the play. So things have changed there for Miami in a very, very positive way. Yeah, no doubt. The uh, Pelicans and the Heat played uh, last Saturday, Game One of the two-game series for the season, and wasn't that interesting? That was the that was the debut game for Goran Dragic, and it was the first game for Norris Cole against his old team. We had some interesting storylines last weekend, didn't we? Yeah, it was pretty crazy, and you know, and, and we're happy for Norris. Uh, uh, Norris is a great kid. Uh, you know, we loved him when he was Miami, and uh, you know, not 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 a bad. Uh, a way to start in the NBA going to the finals three years in a row, you know. <laughs> that doesn't happen to too many kids coming out of Cleveland State like that. And, uh, but he, he's a nice kid, and I'll tell you, the one thing you're going to get out of him, he will bust his hump. He will, he will, he will work so hard, and, uh, and I think that's a good thing, uh, good things for all the Pelican fans. They're going to see a guy who comes from a great basketball culture that Miami has in, in, put into him. And you'll see you'll see what happens down the road with him, and and, and he's playing right very well right now, averaging what, just about thirteen points a game since he left Miami. Yeah, and and there's something about his demeanor, Mike, and you just touched yeah. upon it. I think that him having him in that culture for those three seasons uh, is going to pay remarkable dividends, not only for the near term with him, but for his entire career. And 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 it's interesting that the the two guys that have made this. Um, Interesting push for the Pelicans, Quincy Pondexter off the bench, now Norris Cole as well, and, and, and Coupon's now kind of in a starting role, but 
Isn't it interesting what guys who have deep playoff experience can do for a club that maybe oh. lacks that experience? It, it, it's huge, and that's why everyone's wondering what's going to happen with Cleveland. They, they've got such a such a, uh, a, a talented ball team, but you look at who's got the playoff experience. Well, it's one guy. It's it's LeBron James. I mean, you know, uh, Love hasn't been to the playoffs. Uh, the, you know, the, the point guards haven't been to the playoffs, and so it's it's an entirely different beast that you well know. You get into that postseason, and you got to beat a team four times out of seven. It is very very difficult because they get to know what you do very very quickly, and uh, you you got to play some defense. If you don't play defense, you've got no opportunity. So if you've got uh, what Norris Cole has got in him now the ability to relate to guys and tell them how tough things are. It's nothing but a positive for, for the Pelicans going forward. So the other side of that uh, situation last Saturday was, of course, the Dragic debut for Miami. Um, yeah. Mike, how would you say the adjustment has gone? Are they, are they fully adjusted to Goran's style, or is that still a work in progress? No, that's going to be a work in progress uh, You know, the rest of the season. There's no doubt about that. It's tough bringing a guy in and, uh, saying, okay, here, here's the ball in your hands. But that's the one thing Coach Spo has said. He's you know, got the guys in the dressing room and said, look, it, the ball has to be in his hands. He is the guy that's going to be leading us down the floor. I mean, obviously Wade will bring it down to that, but uh, main, the main guy controlling the basketball is going to be Goran Dragic. And, uh, and, and follow him from there. Uh, does he know all the plays? Well, they've had to obviously lessen the playbook because he's coming into all these new, new players. I mean, where does Luel Dang like it? Because Luel's a great cutter without the basketball. How about Dwayne Wade? Does he, you know, does he like a high pass, a low pass when he's coming off his screen? How do we work Whiteside into it, to going to the rim, the alley So there's a lot for him to learn. But fortunately, he's got a great basketball IQ. He's into it. He's played very, very well in the three games so far. And uh, believe me, the, the, the team is thrilled to have him running the show right now for Miami from the backcourt. And a great coach to lead the way here. Monty Williams, uh, Mike, can't say enough good things about Eric Spolstra, and probably rightfully so. Yeah, I, I think he's, he's one of those coaches where uh, it, it's much like Pat Riley and Phil Jackson and some of the, you know, the very successful coaches. They all say, oh, look at the players he had. You know what? It is so difficult to coach a team with all that talent uh, that Spo has done, but he's put in his time in, and he knows what he's doing. And the one thing you know if the coach is good is if he gets the respect of the players, and he has got total respect of all the players. And as you said, to the other coaches around the league, it is very difficult to coach teams when you've got a bunch of all-star on all-stars on that team that, that the Heat had for, in particular, those last four years. And uh, you can see what you know, the results of it. You know, four four finals, two championships, and and now he's getting this team that has been been hit and riddled with the injuries and illness, and he's got them making a push now, and uh, they got them all, all on the right page. So he's pushing the right buttons. He knows what he's doing. Mike Inglis, voice of the Heat, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, Mike, I'm as big of a Dwayne Wade fan as you'll probably find out there. Just to having gotten to watch him play not only in college but now of course his entire NBA career Um, so I almost hate to ask this question but I feel compelled to do so and that's can Dwayne Wade carry this this team through a difficult push here the next six to seven weeks well if he can't the team's in trouble uh because uh, they they need him they need the all-star performance uh from Dwayne Wade and and Dwayne knows it and he's just got to be healthy and uh, you know he's, he's just back from uh, being out just about a month with the right hamstring injury, and he had a left hamstring early injury earlier in the season. You know, he's missed 17 games. And that's a lot of games losing your all-star, uh, you know, and the guy that really is the, is, is the backbone of the team. So he can do it, but he, the bottom line for Dwayne is he has got to be healthy. He 
came up big in the Orlando game in overtime, had a real tough night shooting, but then in the fourth quarter in OT, that's when the All-Star guy stepped up and, and he did the scoring that the Heat needed, and that's what they need the rest of the way. But for him, the key is definitely going to be health, Sean, and if he's not healthy, then Miami's in trouble. Let's wrap up on your thoughts about tonight's game. Both these teams just saw each other. Um, what will your game prep tell you? How do you want to? What kind of a lens do you want to look at tonight's matchup through? Well, you know, I I, I look at uh, without having Anthony Davis out there and Ryan Anderson. I know Ryan's had a tough year shooting uh, uh, than in the past, but I mean Anthony Davis, uh, for my money, is uh, he, he's you know he's got to be in the talk of an MVP. I mean the the kid is just doing absolutely everything. Uh, such a big guy, and he's got the handle of a point guard, which I find absolutely amazing. Uh, so, you know, the points of the paint are obviously very, very big, but then you still got the likes of Asik out there and Ajitsa out there and, uh, uh, you know, the, the big guys. And, and then, of course, you know, you saw what Eric Gordon did to us the other day, I mean, hitting from long range. they got to make sure they get in his grill and make it tough for him. So I think those are the two areas down in the paint and, and that long-range shooting. Miami's got to play some pretty damn good defense here to beat these guys. You're a very good friend, but I hope you lose tonight. That's just yeah. the way it is. <laughs> Gee, awful kind of you, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry and I about wish that. you the best, too. <laughs> and, you know what? And after tonight, you guys, I hope you just knock it out of the park. Um, yeah. yeah so. <laughs> I, I, I hope so, too. It, it, it's going to be a, it's a tough road to hold when you, when you look at the east. And I know you guys are battling right now uh, out west, just a, a game and a half back of uh, – uh, I think a game and a half back of Oklahoma City, but Miami, Brooklyn, Charlotte, Detroit, Indiana, Boston, they're all in the hunt for the last two playoff spots in the East with just a couple of games separating them. So it's a sprint now for Miami, so every game is huge. I really appreciate your time today. I look forward to seeing you tonight at Smoothie King Center, Mike. My pleasure, buddy. Look forward to seeing all you All right, tonight. voice of the Miami Heat, Mike Inglis here with us on the Black and Blue Report. Lots more to come here on this Friday in just a moment. I'm Chip Chapman, here on the street asking people what they would do with a $40 million Powerball jackpot from the Louisiana Lottery. I'd fly to Italy to go shoe shopping with my girlfriends. I'd invest it, of course. I could double that money in no time. And you, sir. I'd buy me a vacation home on my own private island in a new sports car and a golden hot tub. That's quite enough from you, sir. Play Powerball at any Louisiana Lottery retailer. Starting jackpot $40 million. Must be at least 21 to purchase. The future is now for the New Orleans Pelicans as all-star Anthony Davis has become one of the elite players in the NBA. 2015-16 season tickets are now on sale, so make sure to secure early bird pricing and receive special gifts as part of our parade of prizes. Season ticket holders receive great benefits, including access to exclusive team events, plus savings on concessions and merchandise. Be part of the best fan experience in the NBA by calling 525-HOOP or visiting pelicans.com today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We'll switch gears now here a little bit. We'll go from uh, Pelicans and Heat uh, here in New Orleans tonight to uh, NFL Draft slash LSU as we bring back uh, the uh, LSU beat writer for the Times Picky U. That's Jim Kleinpeter. Uh, it's been a long time, Jim, but uh, certainly this is a fitting time to bring you back on as we've got some uh, LSU Tigers to talk about and their future in the NFL. Yeah, and a, and a couple of them, it's, I guess it's possible, could end up with the Saints uh, one way or the other. Um, you know, I, it, they got a couple of first round guys coming out of LSU that that uh, are likely to go in the first round. I don't know uh, if the 
Saints it might be a reach for the Saints, but uh, I don't know. It, it could be just the right fit depending on what happens before. Are the two guys you're talking about, Daniil Hunter and Jalen Collins there, Jim? Actually, no. Uh, Lyle Collins, uh, the offensive tackle, and, and Jalen Collins are the two most likely to go in the first round. Daniil Hunter, uh, he's kind of rough. He's looking. He's a he's an underclassman who's probably not quite ready to come in and contribute uh, for an NFL team, but has some wonderful uh, measurables and uh, probably is looking like a second round guy. Now, he's a guy that they might uh, might like in the second round. I think he's more suited to a four three. But Lyell Collins has moved up uh, after his combine performance. He showed a lot more uh, flexibility and, and, and athleticism uh, in his drills. And Jalen Collins, uh, what he needed to do was run an under 4-5 time. He, he ran a 4-4-8, and he's looking like a first-round pick uh, and a need position for the Saints. I don't know if they, uh, they may want to uh, go with somebody else, but uh, I guess he's also a guy that they might pick. Go back to uh, to the to the the bigger Collins, if you will. Um, how long? How much will his four years at LSU serve him? I mean, he played the whole way through, didn't he? Yeah. Well, he didn't. Uh, he he he. Uh, I think he was like the sixth man as a freshman, and then he started at left guard as a, as a sophomore. Then they moved him to left tackle, and um, it's it's a position he handled it pretty well. And he made a great decision a year ago by by electing to stay at school. Uh, he was, I think, projected in the second or third round uh, because I don't think he'd really proven himself as as a tackle. And he came out and had a wonderful year. And I think um, the thing that really uh, uh, that's kind of below the surface that that you might not know is that. It, it put him in touch with LSU's first-year offensive line coach Jeff Grimes, and and Lyell says that Jeff had a had a huge influence on him, uh, maturing and, and getting the best out of himself. And he had a he had a great year. He won the Jacobs Trophy um, uh, as the SEC's top blocker last year, and uh, that, that's uh, that's quite a feat considering all the uh, talent the SEC puts out on the offensive line. Did did he confirm people's thoughts at the combine? Did he change anybody's mind with what he did at the combine? Help me out. Well, I think that uh, a lot of analysts think he's better suited to play guard, and that uh, left tackle might be a stretch for him. But he looks a little better uh, along those lines now after showing the athleticism that it takes to play left tackle. But I think a lot of people think that he'd be fine as a right tackle uh, too, uh, you know. And I think uh, if the Saints uh, were interested in him, it'd probably be as a guard. I think their their tackle posts are, are, are taken, but they may have to make some uh, adjustments at guard, and he would fit right in because he's a great drive blocker on the run. Uh, at least one analyst says he's the best run blocker, uh, run blocking offensive lineman in the draft. Very aggressive. Uh-huh. Uh, from what they see on tape, uh, they say he's got a mean streak. Uh, that's what it takes in the NFL, as we all know. Well, Jim, it sounds like that he did himself a huge favor by staying another year at LSU. I don't know if I read or heard you uh, say somewhere else that a couple of the other guys coming away from the Tigers may have, should have, could have uh, made the same decision and stayed to help themselves. Who would that be? Yeah, Daniil Hunter's one. He, should, he probably should have stayed. Um what the analysts are saying about him, they don't see enough productivity from his his his, uh, his last season. He did. It was kind of a breakout season for Daniel. Thirteen and a half uh, tackles for loss, uh, but only one and a half sacks, and that may be a product of the defense he was playing. He talked about how uh, 
they played a compressive defensive end where they, because LSU played so many spread offense teams, he was uh, constantly in a position where he was trying to contain the, uh, a dual threat quarterback, which against which LSU played a lot, uh, a lot several of their opponents. So um, he really hasn't shown a lot of pass rush uh, like creativity. Uh, he doesn't hasn't shown a lot of pass rush moves. And then if he's going to play defensive end in a, in a four three, he's going to have to have some. He's going to need to be able to rush the passer. And that's why I said if they pick him, he'll be a developmental guy. And um, he probably would have. Uh, he probably could have uh, made himself a first round pick like Collins did if he'd come back to LSU. Uh, Quan Alexander is a linebacker that maybe could have done the same, but uh, he's a small. Uh, fast linebacker that, that fits right in with what the, what the NFL style is now with uh, more uh, playing sideline to sideline. Very fast and can play in space and he really benefited. Uh, became the LSU's leading tackler last year. He moved from the middle to the weak side at the start of the season and, and it really benefited. Jim, we always rate like classes coming in. Uh, you know, LSU's got the eighth best recruiting class or whatever. How would you say this outgoing class or this this group heading to the NFL, how does this group represent LSU as opposed to or up against, I guess, what they've done here in the last couple of years? Well, it doesn't quite uh, measure up, but I think um, if a couple of those underclassmen from the last two classes had stayed around, this class would have been a lot better. Uh, you got mm-hmm. six guys invited to the combine, and you can usually um, – you know, gauge it by that. You know, anybody invited to the combine is expected to be drafted, and there may be um, one or two guys uh, that that get drafted that didn't get invited to the combine. But um, it's it's hard to say. But 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 the depletion of the roster from all the underclassmen of the past two three years probably uh, kind of ransacked this year's uh, draft class. But the six. LSU could have six or seven players drafted, I think, and that's that's still pretty good for most schools. Outstanding work there, Jim Klein-Peter. I appreciate the help on getting to know some of these guys. Hey, I, I, I can't help myself here. I may as well just ask you the same question you get from probably 15,000 Tiger fans. Uh, what's the latest on the quarterback situation at LSU? Are they, are they going to produce a quarterback at some point? I, I think that they are, are really tuned in on that. And I think that uh, they just maybe were not quite prepared for what happened last year. Maybe they misjudged it at the beginning of the season and weren't quite ready for how it all unfolded. Uh, Brandon Harris needs to grow up a little bit, and they both need to get physically and mentally tougher. Uh, and, uh, and I think they will. LSU does have an advantage in that they're one of the few schools that's going to have both of their quarterbacks, their number one and number two quarterbacks, back this year. So, um you know, you have to look at that as a silver lining. And, and Cam Cameron has worked uh, wonders with some of the best quarterbacks in, in college and the NFL. So uh, we'll see what he can do and then how attuned they are to what, what happened last year. Yeah, no doubt. And now we've got a new defensive coordinator there at LSU, and uh, spring football is right around the corner. Jim, what would you say are the biggest storylines for LSU football uh, going into the spring period here? Well, after, after finding a quarterback who can, you know, really give them what they need, I think the transition to a new defensive coordinator is something that's uh, under the radar. You've got two new defensive coaches. Um, I don't know if it's going to change that much. I don't know if the defensive philosophy um, is that wide-ranging like, like it is on offense. But um, mm-hmm. they've got talent that's been recruited by the previous defensive coordinator, and this guy's got to make it 
mold it to his um, specifications. And, I, and that's, uh, that's not a slam dunk that that's going to happen the way they want it to. They'll begin recruiting you know, to what uh, Kevin Steele wants, I guess, uh, with the next class. But um, it, that's going to be the big thing, uh, what kind of defense they play. I, I don't think it's going to be a straight switch to a 3-4. They talked about playing more linebackers. We don't know what that really means. But, but we'll see probably get an indication of it in spring uh, and, uh, you know, what kind of uh, sub-packages they have. That's always interesting because every – defensive coordinator has his own way of doing things hey one last thing anything to this recruiting violation thing is this uh, is this minor is this major what are you what are you hearing oh it depends on how you look at it, it doesn't uh, somewhere between minor and major i guess it's significant uh you can lsu is uh, clear up one thing on it lsu is still going to be able to have early enrollees they're just not going to be able to sign them to the financial aid agreement and what that does is it allows you unlimited access to the player as if he's already a member of the team. It's like you can treat him as if he's already signed, but you can't. As LSU has found out, you do so at your own risk. If he ends up not signing, then you, you're automatically in violation of the rule. It's kind of a hmm. – I can't believe this rule ever saw the light of day because it, it, it's set up for, for somebody to fail. Um, and, uh, I mean – Apparently, uh, the you know it, it also can spark accusations of of maybe a kid doing this on purpose uh, to to hurt the, the school that he's not signing with. But um, you know, the, LSU goes in; they have a compliance director. They know the rules when they sign these financial aid agreements. Uh, the coaches are, are understand understand what they can and can't do, and if they do it, then you know the penalty is pretty cut and dry. So. Um, you know, shame on LSU for, for, for letting it happen. And, and I, I just think it's a rule that doesn't need to be in place. I, I don't know. I can't even understand why, why it ever uh, became enacted. Isn't this the great conundrum right now for the NCAA? It's, it, it seems like more often than not we hear about uh, this rule shouldn't even exist. What a dumb rule. But then it's still upon the school to follow the rule if the rule is there, right? I mean. That's right. That's that just seems to be the, the, the thing that hangs around the neck of these institutions year in and year out. Yeah, which is why, I, I, like I said, I, all you can do on the, with this rule is fail. It, it's just, it, it doesn't, <laughs> I don't see that it serves a great purpose. Um, you know, it, I think they're going to have to, maybe they'll look at it again, who knows. But the, the schools know what the rules are, and, and they know which ones, and, and and there's a warning in the rule, you know. Be warned, you know, that if the kid doesn't sign, it, it, you 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 sign him to this agreement at that risk, or you at least um, you at least uh, uh, maintain unlimited contact with him. You know, you can sign him to the agreement, and if you don't, if you if you only stay in contact with him during the designated uh, recruiting times, then and he doesn't sign, then you haven't violated the rule. So it, it, the, the schools know what the rules are, you know. Like I said, shame on LSU for uh, for violating it, but it it is does seem to be a bogus rule. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I I didn't think I was going to go there today with uh, with you, Jim, but uh, I did. And so the, with that, we we've covered a lot of ground. I, I as always, I thank you. I I probably need to get you on more often. You have great insight of uh, helping us bridge the college to the pros, and uh, we wish you all the best this spring, Jim. My pleasure, Sean. Call any All righty. Jim Kleinpeter, of course, with us from the Times Picayune on the LSU Beat. And we'll be back to wrap up today's Black and Blue Report in just a moment.
All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. I'm Linda, mother of two beautiful 13-year-old twins. While my son has brown hair and blue eyes and my daughter has blonde with green eyes, they both share one identical DNA trait. I hate spinach. No one leaves the table until you finish your vegetables. Getting my kids to want to eat vegetables, that's my purpose. Blend it now. Try the new veggie blends at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to get your kids to love vegetables. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Pelicans.com and NewOrleansSaints.com. Your first stop when following your teams. Just about to wrap things up, not only for this Friday, but for the week on the Black and Blue Report. Lots of thanks uh, to all of our great guests this week, and thanks to you, of course, uh, for uh, being with us throughout the week as we, uh, I think we hit on a lot of different topics over the last couple of days. These last two shows have been certainly favorites of mine, and I'm really looking forward to Monday. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we're scheduled to have Bob Lanier on with us on Monday. We'll also get to know uh, Justin Hamilton who comes uh, to the Pelicans uh, via that trade that also uh, served up Norris Cole to us. Uh, We'll get our first visit with Justin on Monday, and we'll be right in the middle of a a difficult road trip. Uh, The show will originate from Dallas, Texas on Monday, and uh, we'll be recapping the Pelicans' Sunday action at Denver, Colorado. So, a good Monday show for you. We'll look forward to seeing you right back here on the other side of the podcast Come Monday afternoon at uh, your leisure. No appointment radio, of course, here in the podcast form. That is the Black and Blue Report. Yes, we are traveling this weekend. After the game tonight against the Miami Heat, the Pelicans will leave tomorrow, head to Denver, take on the Nuggets on Sunday, Dallas on Monday before returning back to New Orleans for two games next week at the Smoothie King Center. Our thanks today to Jim Kleinpeter on the LSU beat from the Times-Picayune, Mike Inglis, the voice of the Miami Heat, and Norris Cole as well. Hope you all have a great weekend. Hoping for a Pelicans win tonight. That would be four in a row for the Pelicans. And that would have them uh, possibly a half game out of the playoff picture, depending on what Oklahoma City does at Portland later tonight. It's a game and a half that separate the two as we go into tonight's play. So full-on scoreboard watching, won't you? Yes, tonight. All right, with that being said, we will say goodbye. I'm Sean Kelly, and for Daniel Salerson, both of us uh, bid you adieu here on this Friday's Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report. Thank you.